Hello world, how are you? <laughs> it's me, Robert John Hill. Hey, do you like movies? What about <laughs> scripts? What about two best friends reading those scripts for the first time for you? Do you like it? Good, then you came to the right place. This is Burn After Reading. Yes, with me, Robin John Hill, and my my partner in crime, as always. And he uh, is always eloquent, and he's always present. I don't Philip. think... <laughs> Sorry. I don't think either of those two things is correct. <laughs> no, I don't think they are, actually. <laughs> Philip Likos Corbett. You all right, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? I, I'm good, actually. Um, yeah? Yeah, I had a very sort of... Um, I was not. I wasn't down on the weekend. I was just very apathetic. Do you think actually now I've pieced it together? Do you think um, your mood yesterday was kind of congruent to the curry that you had on Friday? You know what? I think it was. I had a um, garlic chili chicken on a Friday night, which is one of my favourite curries, and I had like too much of it, and I indulged myself a bit too much. I gorged myself. It was it was a large curry, spicy. Very spicy. Either way, on the Sunday, it just so happened I was I was a bit down. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe because is it um, like an after effect? Yeah, it was either because I missed the curry, or the curry, <laughs> or the curry was just having very adverse effects on my body, and maybe it was just tearing me to shreds inside, and it was making me feel a bit, you know, a bit down, a bit unmotivated. Yeah, we well, bounced back today, though, haven't you? Oh, 100%. I feel absolutely enormous today. I feel great. <laughs> May I say, you look really big today. Uh, on webcam, I look I look very large. Very You're large. Huge. And I have to say, Phil, you are taking up the entirety of my screen, and I love it. I, you are weird. You're on half of my screen. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I'm not even filling my... Well, I'm overfilling my box, even. <laughs> I've oh. said that before. Overfill oh. your box with burn after reading. How's and, um, your uh, How's your tash coming along? It's It's coming along quite well. I mean, I haven't been grooming as much uh, in my isolation chamber. No. After, sorry, Phil, are you drinking white wine? No, it's red wine. <laughs> Straight from the bottle. Oh yeah, it's more delicious that way. I I feel like I should ask, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right, man. I've been really enjoying um, the Drinking sensation. Red wine out the bottom. <laughs> that that is great. But I've been really <laughs> enjoying like the t- mustache overhang that I've got now and gumming at it constantly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's just, addictive, isn't it? Mm, I just gum at it all the time, and I go, I should sort that out. And then I go, I don't know. I like it. Do I? I don't know. I don't know what I like anymore, Robin. We 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 do have some troubling characteristics. <laughs> <laughs> But for people that, you know, um, that enjoy the show, and there are a couple now. There are, mate. <laughs> I would say there's perhaps um, 12, 15. For the 12 and 15 people that do enjoy it, we should kind of do a couple of scripts, shouldn't we? Well, we should. And I mean, look, here's the thing, guys. In a couple of years, maybe not even a couple of years, maybe in a couple of months, you're going to be able to say, I was there when that happened. And, you know, especially I'm going to say, I'm going to put it out there now. I think this is going to be a landmark episode. I've seen the title of Robin's script and it's a knockout. Okay. And I'm 100% sure that this is the one that gets us that those big bucks that we need so desperately. God, I feel like we should kick off with it. Hey, look, man. Hey, take it away, guys. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So we're going to start with my script. Who, who am I going to be? 
Um, so, Phil, I, I've only given you one character. How's your girl voice? <laughs> I've been working exclusively on it for about a week now. Good, because you're going to need it for this one. You're playing exclusively a girl called Polly Peters. Polly Peters. Yep. And what kind of girl is she? She is a, a she's a young girl. She's in her late teens, so she's just oh. sort of finished school. She oh, is. Right. She's an individual. She is bright. She's beautiful. And but most importantly, she's her own person. She's not afraid to say what she thinks. Is she American or English? Um, I would say English, but okay. you put your own spin on it. Hey, look, what I'm going to do is my general girl voice. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, this is our first script this week. This one is called Guns for Arms. <laughs> External, club entrance, night. A large, muscular bouncer forcibly escorts a scantily clad girl out of the club and onto the street. This is Polly, beautiful and bright, but inebriated woman in her late teens. Think it's time to go home, love. Hey, hey, what are you doing? All my friends are in there. Also, don't call me love. I'm not your love. End of the night, sweetheart. Now I'm your sweetheart. You got any degrading pet names for me? Just doing my job, that's all, that's all. <laughs> and what's that? Harassment? And a bad dresser? This is my uniform. The bouncer lets in two other people into the club. Polly decides to change tact. Hey, look. You think me and you got off on the old wrong foot? What was your name? Dylan. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. Dill, dill, dill. What do you say you let me back into this shithole of a club and we can continue with this charade of a life? Not a chance. Well, go fuck yourself, Dylan. You in this shitty club. Take my word, this is the last time you can expect my patronage at this establishment. Polly Peters never forgets a shit. <laughs> Polly turns and staggers away. External, quiet street, a kebab later. Polly stumbles as she chomps on the condiment-covered chip. A shadowy figure lurches out from the darkness in front of her. Where are you going? Oh, Jesus Christ! You scared the shit out of me! What's a lovely lady like you doing out on the streets by yourself? I'm heading home, actually, so if you don't mind... Polly tries to move past the shadowy figure, but is blocked at each attempt. You're not going anywhere. He pulls out a switchblade. He grabs Polly and pins her against the wall. Get off me! Get off me! Help! Help! Gary Arms appears out of the darkness. A meek and subtle individual wearing a long trench coat. Let her go. Get lost, trench coat wanker. Gary? Gary Arms? The weediest guy from school? Is that you? I said, let her go. Or else. Or else? What are you going to do, you puny piece of shit? Run, Gary. He's got a knife. You heard the girl, Gary. <laughs> no, you better get running. Unless you want a slice of the action. Leave now and no one gets hurt. We'd like to see you try. I'll give it a shot. The trench coat drops and we see Gary has two enormous guns where his arms should be. They are gigantic and glisten in the street lamp light. What the fuck? 
Gary blasts a giant hole through the attacker's chest. He collapses, dead. You're fired. Gary! Gary, you saved me. Gary, Gary, your arms? I know. They're guns. I have guns for arms now. But how, Gary? When did this... I don't understand. Too many questions, not enough bullets. Gary turns away like a badass and begins to walk away from Polly. Wait, where are you going? Don't you get it, Polly? I can't let anyone see me like this. They call me a freak, an abomination, a disgrace. Are you kidding, Gary? This is a blessing, not a curse. Police are overrun. Crime is at an all-time high. And what am I meant to do, Polly? Just blast away the crime? Uh, yes. You just don't get it. I can't make tea anymore, okay? Bag in. Hot water. Wait three minutes. Remove bag. Add a splash of milk for that perfect eggshell hue. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore, Polly. Happy? I'm sorry, Gary. I didn't know. Gary turns his back on Polly and begins to walk away again. Gary, don't go, Gary! My name's not Gary anymore. It's Guns for Arms. Gary Guns for Arms struts away under the street lamp light and recedes back into the darkness. Awesome. Wonderful. Wow. Deserving of a smash. It is a deserving of a smash, this one. And if anything deserves a smash to black, it's when Gary becomes guns for arms. Yeah, 100%. Huge. Now I've got a couple of questions. Oh, I thought you might. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you prepared the answers? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first question. Yeah. Uh, how did Gary get guns for arms? <laughs> so glad. I'm so glad you asked this. Yep. Gary, he's he's a nobody really. But then this freak accident happens. Um he <laughs> he gets shot with a radioactive gun. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Both his arms get cleanly shot off by this radioactive gun in this freak accident in a lab. And um he spends uh, a day sort of in a hospital bed a day a day just a day in a hospital okay. bed and he's just like what happened and uh, he doesn't have any arms he goes home and he gets he's starting to you know realize you know he's, he's going to spend the rest of his life without arms but then <laughs> tiny gun arms grow out of him so you mean like little, <laughs> they're not arms they're guns, no, they're guns. So tiny sorry. guns start growing out where his arms used yeah to be. sorry I, no, I misplaced the word arms there. <laughs> tiny guns start growing out from where his arms should be and they get bigger and bigger until they're just like they're enormous they're enormous guns like uh, at this point they're about the same length of his arms which if you can imagine a gun that's quite long that's about the length of a, a rifle or maybe a bazooka or something that's they're a big. pretty big gun yeah it's a big gun what and i mean are they a specific type of gun are they bazookas you know uh whilst writing the script i have been storyboarding a lot <laughs> and um I've been, you know, because I really want to get into comic books yeah. uh, and stuff like that. Do you? I feel... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know me, Phil. I've always yeah. been into comic books. You've always been talking about how you want to get into comic I books. Yeah. I can't stop going on about it. Uh, and 
And you know how much of an avid drawer I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been, you know, I've been, you know, with this script, I've been writing a storyboard with it. And like the, ba- the, the way I perceive it is like the barrel's particularly thick. Yeah. on this uh, on this gun and it is like a it's like a grenade launcher almost but it just carves a hole straight, straight through the center through. of him and is it's, that just one gun that's, that's just one, one of the guns that's just one of the guns imagine I, if he put two up I, <laughs> <laughs> um okay i mean i've got a couple of follow-up questions <laughs> yeah. i hope you don't mind no no, no that's um, good that's good I mean, I mean the first one is where do the bullets come from <laughs> basically the the, <laughs> the bullets come from you know the things he eats so <laughs> I mean, he re- <laughs> uh but yeah he tries to fire them he's playing around with them and eventually he finds out that you know he he's eating um a takeaway curry <laughs> <laughs> i wonder i wonder when you came up with this <laughs> this was in uh this came up in a dream on friday night um uh, so he he ate curry and then the next day he just like it was a powerful shot it was like hot as well it was a very Wait. hot shot okay Okay, so but does it is it any food then? Yeah, any food. Yeah. Wait, hold up. So, (laughs) so he wasn't eating the whole time (laughs) until then, until he had that curry, and then when he had that curry, so it's almost like he's shitting out of his guns. Yeah, well, almost. I mean, he doesn't need to shit anymore, and I think that's a really good point. (laughs) So it's not always. It's exactly like he's shitting out of his cup. Yeah. So it's almost like shit, but I wouldn't say it's shit because I think that. that that really undermines how powerful the if it was just firing shit i don't think that would hurt anyone but because he's firing like it's like energy robin let me just ask you a question these bullets that he fires what are they made out of food waste (laughs) (laughs) okay okay i mean that's answered it for me what about you (laughs) listeners any any questions uh i mean to be fair like you know that at this point there are quite a few questions you should be asking yourself um, and of course, you've only seen um, a short part of the script. Like, Wait, you're how is telling this guy other still people, alive? <laughs> you're telling other people they should be asking themselves questions. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. If you're not okay. asking questions at this point in the script, then what are you doing? <laughs> okay, I, look, I've got one more question. I mean, Please. I've got many more, but I'm going to go with this other one. I think it's um, it's still gun related. Yeah. Um, the original radioactive gun that shot off his arms <laughs> and turned them into guns. Now. I mean, could you just tell me a little bit more about the situation in which he was where, you know, the gun that shot him, he was there with the gun that shot him. I mean, where was, how did that arise? He goes to a um, a firing range um, during the film and there's a crazy professor, as there are, you know, sometimes in these films, there's a crazy professor uh, at the in the film. Range. Yeah, at the firing range. And he says, hey, boy, come over here. He's like, I, I want to test out this new gun I've made. It's going to be revolutionary. It's going to, you know, I want you to test this gun. Um, And Gary decides to test it, but something goes badly wrong and he ends up in front of the gun. <laughs> Wait, what it's a freak badly a- Like wrong? I said, Phil, it's a freak accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes in front of the gun and the professor accidentally shoots him twice with the gun, one to each arm. Yeah. Completely blowing them off. Um, But it's like this sort of like fusion gun and out of it it's not regular bullets it's like uh the professor um pours in like loads of food waste into the top <laughs> and out of a... it comes like sort of electrical currents of like energy i guess you could say calories i'm not sure but yeah okay um, right yeah. he fires calories at him he fires calories at him 
What yeah. do these calories look like, Robbie? I mean, what colour would you say they are? I say like you know that bluey purple, that that perfect sort of light bluey purple. Oh, so it's blue purple shit. Yeah, blue purple shit comes out. Okay. Um, so very dangerous. Um, I mean, sometimes <laughs> that's the most dangerous of shits. The yeah, blue purple. that's the most. If you if you're seeing blue purple shits, ladies and gentlemen, please, 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 go to a doctor. <laughs> please immediately. Immediately. Uh, that shouldn't happen ever. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what happens. That's that's a little picture I've painted you for the scene. Um, okay, so I mean, just to so to recap so far, he's gone to a gun range because he's, um, you know, like uh, he's a bit meek and he thinks I need to be good at firing a gun because he, otherwise he just wants to get rid of his problems with a gun. Does he have his own gun as well? Yeah, so he went he went to the firing range to get a gun. So he, he Wait, wants that's to... not where you get guns. Yeah, no, but he's just trying out some. So he was like, okay. oh, maybe this revolver would be good. Oh, what about right. the shotgun? This assault rifle really suits me. And then this professor goes, hey, you want to see a gun? Come check this one out. Oh, yeah. man, that's, oh, that makes perfect sense yeah, now. exactly. So he comes in with him and then, you know, freak accident, the professor shoots him twice. Yeah. And... <laughs> I, I actually, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Of course. Um, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm a little concerned, actually, and it comes up in the script a little bit. I mean, yeah. how does Gary get by day to day? How's he eating yeah. now? Yeah. So how's he feeding himself? Yeah. So he struggles. Basically, he can't do anything that requires hands. Yeah. Uh, man, if you think about how often you use your hands, it's crazy. I was doing it a bit this week and I was thinking, I can't. What? Using your hands? Yeah, I was using my hands a bit this week. And I literally, yeah, like when I was making tea um, a couple of days ago, yeah. and I went, how would I do this without my hands? Okay. Um, how... Did you try? I tried for a second, but then um, I well, burnt myself. I burnt myself twice. So, um, In both arms? Both arms, <laughs> funny enough. Freak accident. Uh, yeah, because a week later. Man, a week later, gonna... I woke up in hospital. I just had tea for arms. <laughs> it was horrible, but delicious. Um. But yeah, that's that's kind of the inspiration for me. Like you need your arms, you require them every day to day. So it is a curse in a way. But you know, he's he's in the city, this fictitious England city. That this is fictitious England city. Yeah, uh, that is overrun with crime. So like okay. you know, this this curse for him, it's everyone else's blessing. He's just gonna kill crime basically. If you if you had to give this city a name, what name would you give it? Um, I'd give it. Um, um, I'll give it the classic name. Yeah, Shriek, Shriekden, 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 classic, yeah, Shriekden. classic British city. Shriekden. Shriekden, yeah. It's like it's quite big. It's like somewhere in between the size of London and Manchester. Okay, that is fairly big. Yeah, it's fairly that would big. Be the, that would make it the second biggest city in in the UK, I believe. Yeah, it probably would. And Shriekden is. Uh, it's a troubled it's a troubled place where is it um it's just in between uh, manchester and london <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean obviously it's fictitious phil so you know it would be yeah you know where birmingham is i'm aware of. Birmingham. i would basically erase birmingham mm -hmm. from your thought and put shriek them there shriek them so that okay i understand it's got a so it's got a cathedral it's a cathedral based uh city that's the reason it's a city yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh okay. lovely um uh, cathedral green as well Loads Is of independent still... shops and that sounds like going. a nice city. It does, it like it's... but at night it's a grim place. It's oh, grim. So they they come out at night, do they? Sure, they sure do. Um, obviously, Shriekdens are working. <laughs> Fictitious name. There, there are prob there are probably loads more I can come up with on the spot. But um, go on, come up with another couple of. Um, scenes. Own 
own own tit own own tit own tit own tit own tit own tit you're put on the spot to uh, to come up with the name of a city you come up with own tit <laughs> or what about hammer hammerville hammerville right now hammerville yeah is a city i can get into yeah well yeah. fuck it like this is meant to be a collaborative experience it's now called hammerville does but... that mean i get a credit on your script now Okay, we'll go back to Shriek then, just because, I, you know, it's a solo project at the moment. No offence to you, Phil, it's just, I just want to keep what it very organic of? to me and all the pictures I'm drawing with it. Um, uh, it'd be great if I could share some, actually, with this episode. I think that would really help listeners um, see who exactly this Gary Arms or Gary Guns for Arms is. Um, I'd love to see. I'd love to see that storyboard of the... The gun growing montage. I mean, that sounds wonderful. Okay. Well, um, I'll try and get it in a working. I'll try and get into like showing. Um, <laughs> try and sorry. Draw it. I'll, try, <laughs> I'll, I'll try and draw it, and then um, I will show everyone. That um, sounds great. Yeah. I'd, I'd be. I. I think I, I speak on behalf of all the listeners when I say I'd be sorely oh, disappointed God. if he doesn't produce this now. Well, that's Tuesday gone. Right. Um, I think this would be fit perfectly instead of roster. Like, imagine the next Avengers. Yeah. And you got Gary Guns for Arms in there. And he's I like mean, standing look, I'm, cool I'm going to be that. honest with you. Yeah. That's better than some of the other heroes. <laughs> yeah. Like, who's, you know, who, what's that? Black Widow. What's she do? Oh, man. She's good at guns, actually. And definitely not as good at guns as bloody Guns for Arms, man. He's got guns for arms, Phil. Yeah, literally. I mean, the one thing I'd say about her is that she's got a personality and uh, it doesn't seem like Gary has much, um, you know, going on. Not at this point. Not at this point. But as the film progresses, he he becomes more of like your sort of... He becomes a bit cooler. Does he bang Polly? Yeah. So him and Polly become an item, 100%. And those two really start a great partnership together. And it's a sort of will they, won't they... Ross and Rachel sort of friendship. It's a Ross, it's a Ross and Rachel sort yeah. of friendship. See, it, with guns for arms. With guns and... for arms, yeah. Imagine Ross from Friends with guns for arms. That's what I want everyone to think about. Right. Well, I mean, let, let, that's been great. I'm tired. <laughs> so are you. Let's have a micro nap and uh, let's give our sponsors a bit of that airtime that they paid their precious, precious money for. Coming soon. Okay. Shall we crack on with uh, my script? Yes, let's go for it. Okay, you are everyone except Christian. I see. Okay. So you are John, you are Sanjit, and you are ground control. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Um, John and Christian are travel vets. Yeah. And they are they're kind of like, you know, fast-paced... British RAF pilots. Yeah. But they're vets. Okay, but they but sound, they're on a plane. As but they sound like RAF about. pilots. Yes, they sound exactly like RAF pilots. Perfect. Okay. They talk very fast. It's very fast-paced script. We've got to move very, very quickly through this. 
Let's get to it. This is Travel Vets. Internal airplane day. Christian Marmalade struggles with the controls. The plane is going down fast. John Wednesday manically fiddles with navigation. Did you get around to changing your will yet? I've only just regained my vision. One step at a time, Marmalade. She'll get all your cash, Wednesday. She'll never find it. It's all Bitcoin now. You're not messing around with that nonsense, are you? Saudi Sean swears by it. Says we're moving towards the future, free from centralised control. He also says that Bobby Robson invented child support. You can't trust a thing that man says. What have you done with your cash? I've got a bloke. Knows a thing or two about space mining. He's caught me some shares in Cybermine. Not Hong Kong Harold. You know he just came out of jail. You're kidding me. Dead four years for running a Holocaust denial website. Bugger! And you gave him all your cash. No, I mean bugger. We've lost the right engine. God damn it. Sanjit, how's it going back there? It's, uh, not looking good. What do you mean? Princess Isabel, she, uh, got out. <laughs> and I'm losing a lot of blood. John spins. Sanjit's arm is hanging by a thread. Bugger! Bugger? She took my arm! No, I mean bugger! The left engine's out now! I told you we needed more ketamine marmalade! Oh, I could go for a hit right now! I'm talking about the tiger! Uh, of course, me too! But that's not a bad idea! John rustles through a medicine bag, looking for ketamine. Uh, fellas, there's something else! <laughs> King Koops escaped and he's not happy! Jesus Christ, man! Get your flute out! But my flute-playing arm's been ripped off! Use your other arm, man! Ah, there we go. We've got one butter left. All across the now, huh? Got caught up with a bunch of Sudanese anti-Semites. Seemed to think that the Jews secretly started the war to mine mineral-rich meteorites. What? My God, that's what? Oh, God, no. What? Gordon woke up. Shit, don't let him get into the... Airbed. Suddenly, the radio crackles into action. Uh, five niner. You appear to be losing altitude fast. Everything all right up there? Five nine eight here. We're having a spot of engine trouble. I uh, sorry to hear that. How bad we talking? Christian surveys the scene. John has passed out, a needle full of ketamine hanging from his arm. Sanjit is lying in a pool of blood, fighting off a tiger and a snake with one arm. A huge hole has appeared inside of the plane. Uh, nothing we can't handle. Glad to hear it. Can we be of any assistance? If you wouldn't mind telling me where I can put the old girl down safely, I'd be terribly thankful. Think it might be a bit late for that, Five Niner. The plane breaks through cloud, meters from the ground. Ah! <laughs> External plane crash. Later, Christian comes to. Marmalade? Marmalade, you awake? I'm here, Sanjit. I'm here. Marmalade, it's King Koobs. I don't think he's gonna make it. Oh, Jesus. He needs an emergency snakeectomy. Stab. Thank God we've got the world's leading snake surgeon here with us. Christian stabs John in the arm with a syringe of blue liquid. Uh, and the meteorites are mined in Siberian wastelands by... Snap out of it, Wednesday. We've got a snake to save. Too right we do, Marmalade. Sedate the tiger. <laughs> Sanjit, soothe the... <laughs> Sanjit, soothe that snake. Jennifer, pour me a drink. <laughs> We've got a snake to save. Smash to black. Titles on screen. Travel bets.
Wow. Just what what a script. It came out of nowhere almost. It did. Like a plane descending through clouds, it smashed into my mind's eye. It was it was a it was I, I was barely keeping up with it, as you could probably tell through some of it. Playing a lot of the characters required a lot of concentration, but I can just see so much potential for this script. Um, might I just say now, uh, before I forget, you played every character absolutely flawlessly. Thank you. I hope Sanjit wasn't too, um, you know... I think it was the right side of that. Yeah, thank you. Um, because, you know, I never like adopting um, different um, accents in that sort of way. But I felt that I just kept it kind of light. So Let me say tastefully, <laughs> tastefully done. Um, the dialogue was snappy. Um, the characters are very colourful. Oh, the action's non-stop. This is, that's the thing. It's the life of a travel vet. It is non-stop so, action. So if you, so this is the, I'm guessing the, the very start of the film. This is an episode, Robin. It's an episode? Every episode of Travel Vet starts like this. So this is a cold open for just another. This is, I mean, this is literally episode one. Oh, wow. Season one of Travel Vet. <laughs> travel Vet. Cold open. Christian Marmalade struggles with the controls. The plane is going down fast. John Wednesday manically fiddles with the navigation. And I tell you what, Robin, that opening line alone, that secured me nine straight seasons. Nine straight seasons? Nine straight seasons. That opening line alone? How? How did that get you, secure you nine seasons? They surely must have wanted to see more than that. They didn't, weirdly. They <laughs> weirdly. literally looked at those those two lines and went, Right, that's it. Almost Nine sounds like seasons. an error on their part. They haven't paid me the money yet, but doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You doesn't got matter. you got to put that on your CV. Nine straight seasons with whom? Uh, um, History Channel. The History Channel. Marmalade and Wednesday are <laughs> uh, real life characters, and after the war, yeah. <laughs> after the war, they're they're both from Surbiton. One was from <laughs> Surbiton, and the other one was from Fleet uh, Fleetwood. Fleetwood, yeah, great. And, uh, yeah, I, I forget which one which. I think it was Marmalade from Servitude. Yeah. Anyway, the point being, Marmalade and Wednesday, out of work, thought, well, we learned a lot when we were doing triage in the blah, blah, blah. And they thought, how can we ply this? We Remember that plane we nicked from the war? They nicked a big old plane. So, sorry, remember that plane we nicked from the war? Yeah, they nicked the plane from I, the I war. Hope, hopefully this isn't verbatim, because, you know, that, that sounds no, very... Listen, well, no, no, they're, they're long dead now. They can't get tried for this. <laughs> Um, but just think about it. What do you think happened to all the planes after the war? It's a, uh, you know, I thought a lot of them just got sent to museums and put on show. And... Nah, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's like two in the RAF museum in Hendon, man. Maybe. What happened to all the rest of them? Maybe they broke them all down and made like Heinz tins out of them. Nah. Well, some of them. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> what happened to the rest of them? I, I don't know, Phil. This would explain some, I guess, one. <laughs> one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. So this one. Although, uh, judging by Marmalade. this, judging by this first scene, it does sound like they might get through a few planes. <laughs> they've got a, they've got a load of planes. These guys, they took loads. Wow. They thought they they are smart men, obviously. Yeah, you'd have to be. You yeah. know, they're vets after all, and they thought, what's going to happen to all these planes? Some of them are going to get turned into Heinz beans tins. Some of them are going to get put in that RAF museum they're bringing, they're building in Hendon. <laughs> Some of them are coming with us though. And so they took them. They they basically got an an army of planes. At their they've disposal. got look. They've got the second largest army of planes in the country. And is that true for the time as well? This is completely true. 
you can look at Christian, Christian Marmalade and John, and Wednesday. John Wednesday. John Wednesday. So <laughs> these guys, after the war, they were like, right, we're gonna take these planes, and what we're gonna do is become travel uh, vets. Yeah, be vets. <laughs> why? Why did they decide to become travel vets? Because they realised there was a hole in the market there, man. You know, all the previous travel vets had died during the war, and you know they were the ones that were going to go out there and, you know, start helping all the animals around the world. So they're basically escorting some quite quite large animals. They've got... <laughs> they, let's just go through the animals they've got there. They've got a snake. Yep. They've got a tiger. Yep. And they've got an eagle. Yeah. Why well, are they I'm, doing that? That's impractical. All I can say is that they're finding their feet. Okay. You know, they've got the right intentions. They've got the veterinary know-how. They've got the piloting know-how. What they don't understand is logistics. It sounds and a bit goofy to me. Look, what are you going to do <laughs> if you turn up to India and Sanjit's there and not only does he have a bloody tiger with him, there's a snake and an eagle. You can't be like, well, we're going to leave the snake and the eagle to die. No. So Sanjit... Put them all in the plane. Sanjit was on the ground in the, uh, India. The whole reason they're there is Sanjit, man. Yeah. Um, does Sanjit play a, a role throughout the series or is he just this episode he's well yeah so what happens after this is because uh, obviously it was quite a traumatic experience as you might imagine oh, yeah. they become uh, effectively soul bonded with soul bonded all, yeah with the three of them and the animals right and so they all kind of effectively become uh, one with the animals that they've just saved I see and then they so then after that, yeah, they're effectively kind of together-ish. Okay, so like, um, he's like one of the colourful characters from, say, Tintin. It reminds me a lot of Tintin, I have to say. He, Does He's it? almost like their Snowy the dog. I mean, I don't know. I find that a little offensive. <laughs> I would say he's more... I'd say he's more of a Dorian to the Sharon and Tracy. I beg your pardon? A more of a Dorian to the Sharon and Tracy? I'd say he's more of a Dorian... To the Sharon and Tracy. Oh, I don't get that reference. What's that? It's Birds of a Feather. Oh, we're back to Birds of a Feather. <laughs> Good. That's that's superb. Well, okay. Well, I'm I'm really pleased he plays more of a pivotal role then. In he's, the series. Yeah. Oh, he's massive. Yeah. No. I mean, look, they have a falling out later. Yeah. About what? Uh, Sanjit. He he bangs um, the ex girlfriend of Wednesday. Oh, that's not and... good. No, it doesn't go down very well. But, like, look, they come round. Why does he do that? Um, <laughs> he's, he's, Sanjit has <laughs> has never felt the touch of a woman before. And, and so I'm guessing Wednesday's ex is a bit of a saucy minx. She's a saucy minx. What do you think she was doing whilst Wednesday was at war? Well, I was going behind his bloody back. That's what I was doing. She was, man. So you, you see some, like, fucking naughty posters of her. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Like, uh, who do you imagine playing that? in the show i'd say pauline quirk pauline quirk she's look she's a bit older now <laughs> she's really old she can play this this is like pauline she's still got that raw sex no she though, doesn't she, she doesn't have any of that she's got everything you need you need no you need someone just like quite quite busty quite um quite salacious in their You're delivery. Describing Pauline You're, Quirk. I'm not. I'm not. I'm Pauline Quirk is none of what I'm <laughs> describing. You think Pauline Quirk is salacious and busty? That's exactly <laughs> how I describe her. <laughs> oh. If you said to me, uh, "There's a woman. She's uh, busty and salacious," I'd be like, "What? Well, what are you, Pauline Quirk?" <laughs> 
Are you talking first about person. Pauline Quirk again? First person. That's the first person that comes to my mind. I, I, yeah, well, not for me, but um, I mean, you know, each their own, I suppose. What gave you the inspiration to write something about travel vets? I was watching Robson and Jerome the other day. Yeah. And they were two really good fishermen. Yeah, they are, yeah. And they, they, they would fish and they would sing songs. And sometimes, I think sometimes, maybe they would kiss. And but they Do wouldn't they? show it on camera. No, it'd pan off to the side and there'd be a wine bottle. And in the reflection of the wine bottle, you'd see them kiss. <laughs> and I just thought, that's beautiful. I love it. I want to see more of that. And then I wrote this. So it was based on Robson and Jerome. And they're fishing, fishing and kissing. Fishing and kissing, which, you know. And singing. I don't think I've ever seen them kiss in the reflection of wine bottles or anything. You've got to pay closer attention <laughs> next time you're watching Robson and Jerome. I really but do. No, so, I was, <laughs> so I was watching that and I'd read about, um, you know, these two guys and their travel vet business that they started after the war. And I just thought, what better way to celebrate the love, of, uh, the love friendship and c- compassion and pan- uh, companionship <laughs> of two men, their love of animals... And what better way to celebrate that than to um, than to write a script? I think it's groundbreaking in a lot of ways because to have two homosexual uh, protagonists uh, is sort of ground. They're not gay. Well, no, they're not gay. But you're just talking about Robson and Jerome kissing a lot. Oh yeah, they're gay. <laughs> well, you know, their love knows no bounds. I suppose, especially when no, it comes exactly. to travel and vetting. that's That's exactly they would never put a healthy dog down and that is their motto is it but they seem to be dealing with much more dangerous and exotic animals (laughs) or they'll put all the rest of them yeah yeah yeah. they're just any they will not put a healthy dog down but i mean rather than like they're very well trained it actually just sounds like you know they've kind of stumbled into this because they had a lot of planes and they were like I mean, I can almost picture it, like Wednesday marmalade, both drinking together. Maybe they're having like a cocktail or something like an aperitif, uh, something to really make the midnight shine. And they're discussing ideas and John Marmalade's like, I don't know what to do with all these bloody planes, Wednesday. And Wednesday's going, just relax, Marmalade. We're going to do travel vets. Well, so you've seen the interview. No, I, no. <laughs> I'm saying, is that how it came about? And don't tell me... That's exactly how... That, like, word for word, that's exactly how it came You're telling me about. if I type in Wednesday Marmalade travel vets into Google, I'll be able to find yeah. out information about them. Yep. Yep. Can you name any special guests? Is it like celebrity appearances that kind of just pop up and you go, oh, it's them? Um, There are some. There are some. Can you give any away at this point? Uh, Linda Robson's Linda in episode... Robson. Linda Robson's in there, right, okay. Linda Robson's in there. Okay, that's really good. Um, I mean, we really need to get you off Birds of a Feather at some point, don't we? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> do you, Who do you see um, playing Wednesday and Marmalade? They're two very exuberant sort of um, sort of high-energy characters that need to be performed well, I would imagine, to sustain a 30-episode series alone. Um, it would get very tiring for the, your regular performer. So who, who on earth is going to play... Marmalade and Wednesday. I'm glad you asked that. Good. Uh, Christian Marmalade is going to be played by Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel and John Wednesday played by a young Jude Law. (laughs) 
they almost seem like complete opposites. I was expe- <laughs> I was expecting two people cut from the same cloth, but you have like Jude Law, who I reckon would nail this, and I think that's a very very good choice. But Vin Diesel really sticks out for me. But this is the thing, man. This is the thing. You know, ever since he got involved in the Fast and the Furious series, he's been pigeonholed. Yeah. And actually, yeah. Vin Diesel is a very, very versatile, tactile... Tactile? <laughs> <laughs> and wow. it just so happens that he's so busy with these big money shots, um, sh- you know, shoots even, and that he wants, that he goes for them. And who can blame him? He's got a big family. It's all about family. Um, his, I tell you what, his World War Two British accent is flawless. flawless. Well, I mean, that sells it for me. Seeing Vin Diesel, uh, one with a flawless British accent. Oh, he's got a mustache as well. That, okay, well, that's two. Two, yeah. Vin Diesel with a tiny mustache, I imagine, because everyone in that era had like tiny mustaches. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing Vin Diesel with a tiny mustache, speaking a flawless RAF British accent. And saving animals. And saving animals. This has so many branches. There's so many branches to this tree of um, this tree of entertainment. This tree of life, Robin. That's what you mean to say. Yeah, this tree of life. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. You said to me before we came live, you're going to love this script. And I'll tell you what, I bloody did as well. I love... I'm... Look, nothing makes me happier than making you happy. Oh. <sighs> Nearly slipped my mind. How's... How is your your drinks brand? What's... Oh, um, it's a tough market at the moment, so things have been set back a little bit further. Um, we are we're looking on about a two month pushback on where we thought we would be right now. But mm-hmm. I tell you what, it's tasting better and better by day, That's good. and it's it looks getting fizzier. It's getting fizzier. It's getting healthier. Uh, and it's just it's it's making a lot more sense day by day, and right. I'd like to thank everyone who has put their money in so far, and I'd like to tell all of everyone else that like look don't worry about it, it's gonna be alright, it's coming, it's gonna be there, it's gonna be on the shelves, just two more months, and that's that's all I can say right now. What's it called? J- I you said last week it began say. with drink, so what's it called? <sighs> drink. Drink. Drink, drink. Drink, drink. Why drink Coke when you can drink, drink? Drink, drink, drink. It's getting fizzier and healthier by the day. Look, we're not set on drink, drink. Okay. If you drink. guys have any suggestions for names, I'm all ears. You're not getting any money for it. Stop <laughs> asking me for money. I don't have any money. Thank you, everyone, for listening to um, another episode of Burn After Reading. This is number four. We told you we'd do it. Um, this is the fourth one. This is the fourth episode. Uh, we've done loads more though haven't yeah we? we've done secret ones try and find them try and find them um i hope you enjoyed those scripts those scripts are now being chucked on the fire and it is burning they're burning away oh they're both now ashes they're nothing just want to say thanks again to philip Likos corbett i'm learning something every week with you are you what did you learn this week i i think i learned how to laugh again today <laughs> well, that's and nice. i think that's the most special gift you can give anyone I agree. Or a baby. Or a baby. A baby or laughter. Oh, what better, though, than a baby's laughter? Oh, okay, just just so, just so to give everyone that really final cheer, I'm just going to play a baby's laughter. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Oh. Actually, I didn't like that. Mm. Anyway, let's end the episode. I've been Robin Hill. This has been Philip Lee Corbett. Yep. Uh, you've listened to Burn After Reading. See you next time. <laughs>